The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Spotify is in the process of removing Neil Young's catalog of music after the artist posed an open letter with an ultimatum. Deal with the vaccine misinformation coming from Joe Rogan's podcast or lose Young's music. Two days after the letter was published, Spotify is now in the process of removing Young's music from the streaming service. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. I've been to Hollywood. I've been to Redwood. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I love... Neil Young's music. I do. I can listen to it. That's a great album, by the way. Some good tunes on it. Hey, it's good to be back with you. I'm Drew Mariani. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your afternoon. I missed you. It has been a busy week for the Mariani family. I want to thank Ed Marcy and, in particular, John Harper as well. Uh, both of those men doing a uh, yeoman's job, uh, taking the mic and hopefully keeping you up to speed on all that matters most, those most important issues of the day. I want to thank Maggie, my producer, and Tom, and all those who work behind the scenes in my absence as well to, to make sure that the program is uh, live and coming to you every single day. We've got a lot to talk about today. I cannot wait to, uh, to get you up to speed on a lot of what I've been following. There's some stories that have de- developed since, uh, well, since I've been gone, uh, and I'm sure they probably touched on them a little bit while in my absence, but I'd love to bring you up to speed on on what's happening there. One of the stories that I saw, and I really feel that we are in a time where we need to pray more than ever. Not just what's happening in the Ukraine, not just what's happening in terms of the weather and with Omicron and all these other things. I think we just need to pray. I think Satan is becoming more aggressive than he has ever been before. You know, as I read what's going on in the world, as I see what's happening in nature, as I see what's happening, you know, within families, and you can probably identify with this. As I see the attack on the church, uh, Satan, without question in my mind, is becoming more aggressive than he's ever been. And the attacks against the Catholic Church continue. I mean, Catholic News Agency was reporting that the St. Alphonsus Parish in Fresno, California, was broken into overnight earlier this month, and both the tabernacle and the Marian Shrine were vandalized. I mean, as Catholics, we believe Jesus is truly present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. And when that tabernacle is vandalized, I mean, that's a, that's a great sacrilege. And, and I, you know, I was thinking about it. I said, I've got to do reparation for that. You know, and I, I, I want to invite you to do the same thing. I mean, one small sacrifice today, maybe not having that cigarette you want right now or that you know, bottle of beer with your, your dinner or the glass of wine or maybe just being kind, letting somebody else in, sacrificing time, offering a prayer. Uh, they were reporting that Father Carlos Serrano He's the pastor there of that parish, discovered uh, damage to the tabernacle. Uh, I guess it was last week or the couple days, you know, maybe two weeks by now, but the parish has a Marian statue behind glass where people often come and pray, and there's a box next to the statue for monetary donations for the parish. That was vandalized too. But uh, more churches, I'll fill you in more, but let, let me share this report with you though. Two more churches vandalized uh, happened just within the last week across the country. The first also is a community church in Colorado. Another is one in Alabama. Listen to this report, and then I'll fill you in a little bit more. New tonight at 9, thanks to help from the community, a Longmont church is no longer covered in graffiti tonight. We first showed you on Friday the damage done to the community Christ Church. That church is a staple in that community, so it really didn't take much for the community to want to help out. They washed off the graffiti and painted the walls impacted by that damage. I drove by and I seen it and 
it just ate at me, you know what I mean? Being from here, born and raised, I don't, we don't condone that kind of stuff. Well, some of those who were there to help uh, hope to come back actually later this year to help the church with other repair work. A church in Lawrence County has sustained several thousand dollars worth of damage. This after it was broken into. The Lawrence County Sheriff's Office says the incident took place at Antioch Church of Christ on County Road 217. Now, as you can see in the pictures you're seeing on your screen right now, there was damage to windows, TVs, books and furniture in that church. Anyone with information about who may be behind the damages is asked to call the Lawrence County Sheriff's Office. Hey, look, uh, the the problems continue. In Puerto Rico, there was a different kind of vandalism that took place, something like what happened uh, on the mainland in 2020. Uh, somebody there toppled a statue of the Spanish explorer and uh, colonizer, uh, you know, uh, Ponce de Leon, in, in the night between Sunday and Monday of this week. Uh, the king of Spain, Felipe VI, was scheduled to make a visit to the island to commemorate the 500th anniversary of the founding of San Juan, but the statue was promptly reinstalled on Monday, and uh, Archbishop Roberto Octavio Gonzalez Nieves, he condemned the action. The king was not only visiting for the anniversary, but also discussing greater trade opportunities between the U.S. territory and Spain. So, yeah, we see this, um, this violence, this, this, this uh, spirit of destruction, right? Not only against our Lord truly present in the Eucharist, against Our Lady, but we also see it against historical figures right now. And I think there is something afoot. That is, that's, that's my sense on this, you know? And we live in a time of confusion. You heard me playing a little bit of Neil Young at the very beginning of the show here. I, I've always enjoyed Neil Young's music. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it. You might dislike it immensely, but, um, you know, he's a little, well, let me just tell you what happened. I'll tell you the story. You could decide how you feel. Um, he's one of those latest examples of be careful what you wish for, right? He, he's, an, he's an aging rocker, right? Um, and Spotify, of course, plays his music. And he told Spotify that they either had to get rid of Joe Rogan's podcast or he's going to pull all of his music. And let me just give you some perspective. Rogan, you probably know, a very popular podcaster right now. Um, he, uh, he's got greater popularity than even Tucker Carlson on, on Fox News. You know, I, I think Carlson has, um, I want to say like 3.4 million, 3.5 million, uh, you know, followers, whereas uh, Rogan has uh, 11 million followers, 11 million plus. And he's got almost four times the amount that, that you know, Fox's highest rated show has right now. And of course, Fox is, you know, crushing in the ratings, CNN and MSNBC and all these others. So it just shows you the, the power that Joe Rogan has. Sits down, does interviews with everyone from Sanjay Gupta to others. He's talked about ivermectin. He's talked about COVID. And apparently people like what he's got to say. So Spotify's now put in this situation where they've got to decide whether or not they get rid of Rogan and play Neil Young's music, uh, or he's going to pull his music. What, what do you think they did? Now, they announced yesterday they're starting to remove Young's music from their platform. It probably won't hit him that hard. Uh, it's certainly going to hit Young's bottom line. I mean, he mouthed off, and now he's going to lose the revenue generated from those plays. But um, it's so silly. I mean, it's just it's just so silly. It, it really is. So, Neil, I'm sorry to hear that, but... Uh, there you go. Vermont, you want to hear something else? Here's something really bizarre. And pray for this man's soul. You know, gosh, I heard a story just a couple days ago about a legislator from the state of Vermont. He killed himself. 
he killed himself with the help of legislation that he personally promoted and helped pass. I mean, what a bizarre twist of fate. You talk about young. The, the Associated Press reported that uh, a guy named William Jewett, I believe is his last name, he, he, he died at his home. He was only 58 years old. He was 58 years young, really. Think about it. And he was diagnosed with uh, a melanoma over about a year ago and in the days before his death he supported changes to the 2013 law that make it easier to terminate ill people or to navigate and to get lethal you know prescriptions and what a horrific law right is that not what a, it's the only word i can use for it. it's a horrific law what a horror it is that his wife and his daughter and the mainstream media they're all lionizing him they're all championing and they're all saying, wow, this was great because he, you know, he, this was his death. His suicide is really what it is by his own hand. It's only going to encourage other people to take their lives. Look, life has value. And if you are on, if, you, if you're suffering right now, if you are wondering what good your life has, if you think you're a burden on those who are taking care of you, I want you to, to know you're wrong. God is the author of life. He created you. He has given you a mission in life. And some of the greatest and the most efficacious, the most powerful things we can do is offer our suffering and allow others to show mercy to us. You can be a conduit for God's mercy. You might be homebound. You might be bedridden. That person that is taking care of you is a messenger of mercy. You, by your own suffering and circumstance, allow that person that opportunity. Don't deprive them of that. And don't deprive yourself or the world of the grace that God can give to you through your suffering and your situation. You know, ending your life is never an answer. It's, it's a temporary fix to, you know, it's a, it's a permanent fix to what in many cases is a temporary problem. Uh, it's just tragic. Again, you know, a lot of confusion, a spirit of confusion right now. And then you see the violence in our streets, right? Two police officers in the Bronx were shot to death. Uh, some New York City politicians seem to uh, be rethinking Right now, their their calls to defund police. New York Post they they quoted a lot of polls uh, who who made statements after these officers were shot. Like the public advocate, um, a guy named Jermaine Williams, who tweeted out uh, before the second one succumbed to his injuries, these men's answered a plea for help. He said both risked and one lost their life, all while trying to protect another. New York safety, as countless officers across the country do each day. Uh, on June 30th of 2020, you probably remember that date, right? The Floyd riots started to boil over. Um, he, he's saying just by by saying we were going to hire additional officers, people thought that they were sending the wrong message. I and mean, it was a very anti-police mentality at the time. And, and they're hoping that people rethink this. I mean, we need law and order. We are a society of law and order. And I think a lot of people realize they went down the wrong path. It's the power, again, of the media. It's the power of these movements at the time uh, to really sway uh, people and blind them to rational thought. I mean, it's only rational. It's logical that you need to have law. You need to have order. You need to enforce that law. You just cannot let people loot and burn and riot and beat and kill. Uh, it, it just uh, it comes to a very nefarious uh, end. Um, you know, to make that even worse, I've been praying a lot. I prayed the chaplet several times yesterday. I prayed the rosary yesterday as I see tensions with Russia mounting. You know, we found out that Russia and China have sent naval ships to Iran for joint exercises. Uh, India, Syria, and, uh, and, and Venezuela are also participating in those drills. And those were announced back in August, just so you know. But they come right now at a time 
when tensions are rising between the U.S. and Russia and China over the Ukraine and, of course, Taiwan. So here's uh, what CBS was reporting on the conflict just a few hours ago. There were more Russian military drills yesterday and six U.S. fighter jets arrived in Eastern Europe for NATO drills. With roughly 100,000 Russian troops massed on Ukraine's border, Russia's demands include rolling back NATO forces from Eastern Europe and a ban on Ukraine joining NATO. America's written response was hand-delivered yesterday by the U.S. ambassador to Moscow. It hasn't been made public. But the U.S. and NATO have made it clear they will not agree to those demands. The U.S. reiterated an alternative proposal it's made before. The placement of, effect of uh, offensive missile systems uh, in Ukraine, military exercises and maneuvers uh, in Europe, all of these things would address, I think, mutual concerns, including concerns stated by Russia. Another concern is Germany's dependency on Russia for its energy needs, which could fracture NATO's solidarity. Germany's the biggest buyer of Russian natural gas and has refused to send weapons to Ukraine. Should Russia choose to weaponize its natural gas by cutting supply to Europe even more than it's already done? We're in discussions with governments and major producers around the world about surging their capacity. At St. Michael's Golden Domed Monastery in Kiev, where the faithful have worshipped for over 900 years, some Ukrainians told us they're praying for peace. This woman said she hopes God will talk some sense into Russia. Yeah, and please pray for that. You know, the Holy Father has called us to do that. I know Relevant was uh, kind of the tip of the spear as well the other day, leading prayer. Uh, I, I prayed personally with my wife multiple times. I was away from the mic yesterday. I think we need to continue to do that. Um, we are living in very troubled, very difficult times. As I said, I, I, I my personal opinion too, just from a spiritual perspective, I, I, I see our adversary really trying to foment division. And we see the spirit of division, as I said, not just, you know, nationally here in the country, but I, I see it internationally. You see it in your homes. You, you, you see it in our country. You see how divided we've become. You know, for, for us, you know, sitting on the other side of the world uh, from Ukraine, uh, things there appear to be tense. But, but based on reports from Ukraine itself, the government doesn't appear to be that concerned. I thought today we could take a little bit of a different look at this as well. I mean, what does Vladimir Putin ultimately want to get out of this deal? Um, what, how will the U.S. respond? Will there be war in Europe? Um, where's Ukraine? They're the ones that you know have uh, you know jets and helmets and all sorts of support coming uh, into the country. You've got masses forming on their border from 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 Russia. Well, I, I just found this striking. Dr. Daniel Kempton is going to be joining me in a second. I want to get his take on this. But Ukrainian officials. They told their citizens this. They basically said, hey, relax, right? Relax. Yeah, there are 100,000 troops massed on the border. I, I wouldn't feel very comfortable personally if I was a citizen of Ukraine, if that was on my border here. Um, he says, but, you know, the, the authorities there said they are, there are key elements that Russia does not have yet in place. So there's no imminent threat of any invasion. But they are saying that in um, France, 24 reported that, that Russia on Tuesday launched a you know, new military exercises near Ukraine and in annexed Crimea. And th those drills involved 6000 troops doing, you know, combat firing exercises with fighter jets and bombers and anti aircraft systems and ships from the Black Sea and Caspian fleet. So 
Uh, there is some saber rattling, some muscle flexing. In the meantime, you know, the U.S. has done what? We've put 8,500 of our troops on, uh, on high alert for possible deployment to uh, Eastern NATO countries like Estonia and, and Latvia. Uh, this is a countermeasure, of course, to Russia's move. Uh, that move, though, not only brought more claims by Vladimir Putin that, you know, of the U.S. increasing tensions in, in the region, you know, so there's a lot going on here. What will diffuse it and what will come of it? I'm joined right now by Dr. Daniel Kempton. He's the vice president of academic affairs at Franciscan University of Steubenville. He's published a lot of scholarly works, including on the former Soviet Union and its involvement in, in South Africa. And he's here today for some perspective. Good to have you back, doctor. Good afternoon. Thank you, Drew. Thanks for having me. So, you know, Vladimir Putin, let's start with him. He keeps saying, I'm not going to invade Ukraine. I'm not going to do it, right? Um, I, I, I'd love to know how you read that. Is that a believable statement? I would say the same thing. Yet I'm continuing to put all my chess pieces on the border, so to speak, and I'm ready to, to come in. I mean, the optics say one thing, his words say another. How do you read him? What's he saying? Well, first of all, he's this is dealing with a region of the world, uh, what they call the Nero Broad, which are countries on their borderline that they look at as their special zone. And we've got to understand, twice before, in 2008, they intervened in Ossetia, in Georgia, and in 2014, they intervened for the first time in Crimea and sent troops in both of those cases. So he's twice before said, I wouldn't do it, and he's actually ultimately did it. Now, do I think he wants to do it? Probably not really. He's probably threatening in the hopes that we will make certain concessions so that he doesn't have to intervene. But I think all the historical evidence is that he's willing to do it if he needs to. I mean, he's the one who's going to come out a winner in this. Right. He sends all his troops to the to the border. Uh, the world wants peace. He's making certain demands. The U.S. has drawn a, a difficult line, you know, a hard line with Ukraine. And he wants to assure that they'll never be part of NATO. He's definitely going to come away with something from all this, isn't he? I mean, how do you see this playing out? And, and you know, regardless of how it gets settled, I, I see him as the winner. Yeah, I think he's already in a pretty good situation, and we've done a lot in the last year to weaken our own hand. Um, if we were going to make any commitment to Ukraine, which we're not going to today, um, not in the midst of this crisis, and we probably ought not to because this isn't a war we want, and I think Again, Putin thinks of these countries as his sphere of influence and that they have a greater right to sort of play in that neighborhood than we do, and therefore we'll do it. And we've near, they've nearly finished the Nord Stream pipeline, and that was a major factor holding him back from aggression toward Ukraine. And by us lifting the sanctions, letting the project go through, we've lost most of the leverage. Now, we can still say, okay, the pipeline's basically built, but we're not going to let natural gas going flow through it. But that's not what Germany wants. Right. I don't think there'll be European support for doing that. Right. So Putin's got a pretty strong hand. Yeah, Germany has not been a big player in this. I mean, they seem like they want nothing to do with this conflict. I think, uh, you know, U.S. sent fighter tra- troops. I think Lithuania, a bunch of other countries have. They sent 5,000 helmets. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> 5,000, yeah. okay. And, and you know what? Uh, when he starts, when that, when that natural gas starts flowing, uh, Germany is going to become much more right. dependent on them. I, and I get that. I, I, in terms of where we stand on the nationals, uh, well, Vladimir Putin, let me rephrase it this way. You know, we left Afghanistan with our, our, our tail between our legs. That was a humiliating departure, the way the Biden administration handled that. Uh, he's met with Joe Biden. 
Uh, is this administration in the eyes of Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, uh, perhaps other uh, nations, is it weak? I, I don't think he would have ever tried this with Donald Trump. Um, and I'm not here to advocate for Trump. I'm just saying, how does the world look at, at Joe Biden and this current administration making these bold and aggressive moves? Yeah, I think it clearly sees this as weak. Uh, keep in mind, I mentioned those past invasions. The last one included or occurred when Obama was president. Mm -hmm. This is the same administration, in a sense, in terms of their thinking about foreign policy. So I think they look at it as weak. What really bothers me is I think our allies are shaking in the boots. I mean, we we don't have a commitment to Ukraine. We do to Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, Poland. How do right. they see us? How does Romania see us? Right. If Putin gets a lot of these concessions from us, they're basically saying, hey, you cannot give arms to your own allies. Well, <laughs> that's not his right to say, and I'm afraid the Biden administration may give him some of that at least right. uh, behind the scenes. So, so is, is Putin on a quest to rebuild the, the Soviet Union? Is, is that what he wants to do? Does he want to rebuild the Soviet empire? Is that his long-term goal here? Something like it. I mean, he sees, he again, this is the man who said the collapse of the Soviet Union was the greatest tragedy of the 20th century. This is yeah. the same century where World War II, Holocaust, World War, you know. So to see the world that way means he clearly cares about Russian great power status, Russian, and you can't have that without control of Ukraine, Moldova, Romania, Latvia, Lithuania, Lithuania, and Estonia. He's lost all of his border control, and he's trying to get it back. So it's not precisely the yeah. Soviet Union, but it's right. something like it. There are a lot of people, Doctor, even on the conservative side of things, calling for us just to stay out of this and even appease Russia by going along with their demand to that we pull NATO out of the Soviet Union's former satellite nations. But you got people like George Weigel, uh, Fran Mayer, uh, others, you know, some very bright men saying that that would be immoral. Uh, your take on that, how do you read it? So I think right now we don't want to give in to Putin, nor do we want to become the pretext. Because in other, in, in other invasions, he's essentially blamed the aggressive behavior of others leading to his response. And you see that rhetoric already in Putin's statements. The West is rushing in arms. Well, Theodore Roosevelt, the first progressive president, argued the key to foreign policy is talk softly and carry a big stick. I feel like the Biden administration's philosophy is talk loudly and carry an earth gun. I mean, these guys keep threatening, and they're giving up all of their tools. We should have been providing arms for the last year. We should have been making those commitments solid. Now he's talking boldly and talk. It's too late, you know. So I, I don't want us to get involved. We don't have the commitment to do anything serious, but we should have been preparing them, raising the costs of a Russian intervention, foreseeing this possibility, not giving in to the Nord Stream pipeline. The Nord Stream is really key because right now so much of Russia makes 54% of its export earnings from the sale of natural gas and oil. Most of that goes through Europe. Right now, most of that flows through Ukraine. So Ukraine can influence Russian foreign policy. Once Nord Stream is open, Ukraine loses any influence it once had over Russia. I mean, yeah. giving that away was horrible. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, some of these decisions that are made, I just could not get over them. Uh, I have less than 30 seconds. China, where does it fit into this mix? Uh, lines between the bear and the dragon. What do you say? 
Yeah, I think they're working collaboration. It would not be surprised. It would not surprise me if any invasion or aggressive move waited until after the Olympics, as a courtesy to China. Doctor, thank you. I wish we had more time. I know we'll catch up again soon. Thanks for your time. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. I'm home. I'm back. Your Life Connected, The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. All right, that's a great rejoin, Maggie. That's Charles Bradley. Good to be back home, and it is good to be back here with you. I missed you. I was away from the microphone for, uh, I guess, about a week. I know a lot of people were writing. I'm wondering where I was. Uh, back, and I'll be here with you. We'll pray the chaplet coming up in about 30 minutes. So if you've missed that, we are live today, and I'd love to be able to intercede for you and pray along with you. All that's coming up. We'll pray for our country today, that's for sure. And I want to pray for not just world leaders. You know, yesterday, as the Holy Father had asked us to pray, I prayed the rosary, I prayed the chaplet. I really spent some time really praying for world peace. And that really was the message of Our Lady in Fatima too, wasn't it? To pray the rosary. Uh, she saw what loomed for the 20th century. And prayer has a way of certainly changing things. And we need to pray for our own country. We need to pray for our president. Um, we need to pray for an end to the culture of death here. I really believe there is consequence for sin, and not just on a personal level. I think on a national level as well. You know, I often share about how the Chapel of Divine Mercy came about. It was the result of this vision Faustina had of a city that was going to be destroyed by the angel of wrath that God had sent because of the. They believe it was the sin of abortion. It was the abortion capital of Europe at the time. How does the U.S. fare? I mean, think of how many lives have been lost. Think of the innocent blood that has watered the soils of this great nation. You know, just think about that. Last Saturday, of course, was the 49th anniversary of the Supreme Court handing down its decision on Roe v. Wade, a decision in effect legalized abortion throughout the country, even though there has never been a law passed that says it's legal, right? You ever think about that? So our president, uh, he claims, of course, to be a faithful Catholic, and I think we need to do extra prayer and penance for him, uh, real fasting, because what, what, a, what, a, what, what, what a scandal to those who think that this is what the Catholic faith is about. He issued a statement on that anniversary, along with the vice president, right? Uh, two of them stood there and said, you know, the constitutional right established in Roe v. Wade nearly 50 years ago today is under assault as never before. It's a right, we believe, that should be codified into law. And we pledge to defend it with every tool we possess. I mean, what a macabre, evil thing to say. They want to codify the destruction, the murder, the killing of an innocent child into law. They pledge to defend it with every tool they possess. Remember what he said about Texas, you know, when they passed that heartbeat uh, law? And how you throw the weight of the federal government against them? They wanted. To, they went on to say this. They said, "We are deeply committed to protecting access to health care, including reproductive health care." And I hate these words. I, I've, sp I've spoken a million times about it. I mean, who's not for reproductive health care? I mean, that's so beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. 
unless you really know what it stands for. They use that as, as code, as a language for abortion. We're deeply committed to protecting access to health care, including reproductive health care, and to ensuring that the country is not pushed backwards on women's equality. There's that word again, right? Equality, equity. How many times have you heard that? Isn't it interesting that they said the constitutional right? That's the other thing that struck me. The constitutional right established in Roe v. Wade nearly 50 years ago. I was thinking about that earlier today as I was getting ready to, to share the story with you. I was just thinking, it's interesting because the Supreme Court cannot establish constitutional rights. The courts can't do that. That's not the role of the court. It's not their job. And since both the president and the vice president are lawyers, both of them, once sat on the Senate Judiciary Committee, you would think, right, that they would know that. Apparently not. I think they're just reading their teleprompter. I, I, I don't know. Uh, they, they didn't just support Roe. They also condemned states that are passing laws protecting unborn children and their mothers in Texas, Mississippi, a lot of other states around the country that you know, have access to reproductive health care, you know, is under attack. And, and, and those states' restrictions contain the freedom of women. That, that's an incredible charge that they said. That's what they said, you know. Um, it just It's horrible. Look, but in case you need a refresher just on how our Catholic president views abortion, that's some of it. But I want to give you a few more clips. I, 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 I'm quoting what he said over the, you know, a couple days ago. I, but I want you to hear uh, just personally some of the things, some of the views that our, our current Catholic president has on abortion. Why does the president support abortion when his own Catholic faith teaches abortion is morally wrong? Well, he believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. Why does the president, who does he believe then should look out for the unborn child? He believes that it's up to a woman to make those decisions uh, and up to a woman to make those decisions with her doctor. I know you've never faced those choices, nor have you ever been pregnant, but for women out there who have faced those choices, this is an incredibly difficult thing. The president believes their rights should be respected. Go ahead. I think we've got to move on. I think we have to move on. You've had plenty of time today. I have been, continue to be a strong supporter of Roe v. Wade. Not to debate about, I, under, I respect people who think that, who don't support Roe v. Wade. I respect their views. I respect them, they, those who believe life begins at the moment of conception and all. I, I respect that. Don't agree, but I respect that. I'm not going to impose that on people. Uh, I, I don't want to play anymore. I, I can keep playing audio for you, but Mr. President, you are a Catholic. I mean, you are a Catholic. It just, it saddens me. You know, there, there, was a, uh, there was a great representative from the 3rd District of Illinois. He's been on the show in the past. He's a good Catholic, all right? And he got run out of his party. He, he was a Democrat. He lost his primary um, in 2020. Why? Because he didn't sell out. He didn't decide to say, oh, you know, I want to keep my position. It's more important, so I'm going to really kind of vacillate on these pro-life issues or you know, maybe I'll abstain, maybe I won't vote. No, he was, he was boldly pro, pro-life. His name was Dan Lipinski, and he joins me today, and it's great to have the congressman back. Congressman, thank you for your stand. I have a lot of admiration for you. I told you that in, in the past. And when I see other politicians sell out, I don't know for what reason, whether it's power or fame or position or, or money, it just it saddens me. And it's men like you that I hope will rerun for office again because we need good moral people in office. It's good to have you with me today. Good afternoon. 
Well, I appreciate that very much, Drew, and it's uh, always good to be with you. This language from the president, and again, you know, this is this was your party. Um, I'm assuming doesn't surprise you, but how do you read it, especially for a man like Joe Biden, who whose position has vacillated over the years on 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 this? Why do you think he's saying the things he's saying today, and why so adamant about using the force of the federal government against those who champion life? Well, un- unfortunately, this fits with uh, what Joe Biden has been doing ever since he. Uh, was inaugurated as president. This is this is not the Joe Biden over the past year that um, was in public life as as a senator, as his vice president for you know, forty five years. I mean, he, Joe Biden supported the Hyde Amendment back when it was initially put in, you know, which in the nineteen seventies, which banned the um, use of taxpayer federal taxpayer money for for abortion or insurance that covers abortion, uh, he, you know, he he took a firm stand on that uh, back then. He continued to support the Hyde Amendment until he was running for president uh, this time, and he it it, uh, it appears certainly that uh, what happened was he understood that if he maintained that uh, that position, that uh, it would. He could not win the Democratic primaries for and become the Democratic nominee for for president, and so he gave that he gave that up. Uh, but that's not the only thing. I mean, to me, uh, Joe mm-hmm. Biden has been a big disappointment. He, he he hasn't been the president that everyone thought you know he was going to be. At least those who voted for him because they thought, well, he's a you know, he, he's a different different kind of Democrat. He, he he's, he's more moderate. Uh, he's someone that um, you know they really have uh, you know have respect for him even when they don't uh, don't agree with him. Uh, but it just has not that's not what he has done in office. And unfortunately, the the, the abortion issue is the one that um, is the most difficult since he's you know, since since he's Catholic, and uh, that I think is uh, is hurts the uh, hurts those who who suffer for, from abortion the, the yeah. babies and in their mothers and, and it hurts the church i could not agree with you more my guest today congressman uh, dan lipinski if you want to join us i'd love to hear from you feel free to pull up a chair join the conversation ask your question share your view the number triple eight nine one four nine one four nine that's triple eight nine one four nine one four nine uh congressman let's go to the phones we'll take a call mike is listening in chicago mike good afternoon Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. I, my question is, and can you explain to me how the Catholic Church and the leaders and the champions, which I, I definitely consider you one, um, Drew, mm-hmm. a champion of the Catholic faith, how can you guys continue to call the president <laughs> a Catholic yeah. when he does not adhere to the tenets and beliefs of Catholicism? Yeah. I mean, doesn't that require you to actually believe what the church teaches in order to be considered one of us? Or do we just by default allow him to say, I am this regardless? Is is it the same wokeism? Mike, here's where I stand on the issue. I could not agree with you more. I I think if you're going to be a Catholic and you're going to at least use the moniker of Catholic, then you have to be in communion with what the church teaches. And you know, I can't judge Joe Biden's heart, but all I can judge is his actions and what I've seen and his language, which we just played. 
And he does not appear to be in communion with the Catholic Church. When you advance the culture of death, when you do the things that he's done, when he's voted the way he has, has voted. Now, this is really between his shepherd and him. And, and I pray to God that, that, that his bishop has spoken to him. I'm assuming he has, but I know there's a lot of bishops around the country and a lot of other people who, who share your view and mine that you, know, you can call yourself Catholic, you can rattle your rosary beads, you can say you're Catholic, you can go to Mass, but by your actions, you know, you're, you're advancing an intrinsic evil. I, you know, I, I, I think he's, he's using the name Catholic. I don't think he's conducting his life like a Catholic. But I want to be careful here also about, about judging him. Uh, the beauty of our faith, too, is about redemption. It's about, it's about being able to turn back to God. And you know this. I've shared many times that St. Faustina, the Lord revealed to her that the greater the sinner, the greater the right they have to his mercy. And that's the beauty of our Catholic faith. And as a Catholic, I hope Joe Biden will get back to the confessional, amend his life, and stop being scandalous. Because I think his actions do confuse a lot of people who don't know the faith. But don't we have to actually actively seek redemption and you not do. actively yep. seek out to be evil like like yeah. he is actively doing? I, I agree with you, Mike. No, I, 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 he does, and that's why we need to pray for him. Let me let the congressman in, too. Congressman, I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well. I understand Mike's position completely because I have the same level of angst and frustration when Thank I you. see somebody who says he's Catholic. Um, really dissent and, and, and operate in a way that's diametric to everything that the Catholic Church stands for. And he's not alone. I mean, Mike, Mike is very articulate. I, I share his pain speak uh, with the president. And that's why I call people all the time to pray for his conversion. Uh, but, but your thoughts on Joe Biden and, and his position? Well, Drew, I, I, think you, uh, I, I think you articulated very well. You, I'm sure you understand uh, when I was uh, was in Congress, and you know, the issue, you know, uh, you know, I saw people use. Let me just say, I saw people, politicians, use being Catholic, calling themselves Catholic, um, as a way to 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 win votes, uh, and really, that was all that they they were were using it for. And it really, I think, is is a scandal. Uh, but we cannot, uh, we, we, we are called, as you said, to, to pray for Joe Biden, uh, to pray for everyone who, you know, says that they, they are Catholic, that they truly, uh, do repent and come back to the church. That's, I mean, we, we all need prayers and none of, none of us are, are, are perfect. And I, I understand yeah. the frustration, and I and I've certainly have personally felt that that frustration uh, that uh, some people, some politicians who say that they are Catholic and then do things that uh, do not at all. I mean, as as you said, they they, they support the, not the culture of life; they support the, the culture of death. But uh, yeah. we just need to continue to uh, yeah. uh, to pray for them and, and do what we can do. Uh, he, and Joe Biden is our brother, you know, Kamala Harris is our sister. We we do. We should be praying in earnest uh, for them and for all of our elected uh, officials. Uh, you know, God's given you a great mission, Congressman, you know, and, and, and I know you did your very best uh, to advance a culture of life and to, uh, you know, make sure that morality was applied to a lot of the legislation that came before you. And that's what we need. We need a good moral people in this nation if this great nation is to succeed. It will only thrive if we are a virtuous people. I've got to take a short break. When we come back, let's let's talk more. If you want to get in, only a few minutes with the congressman today. The number is 888 914 
888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Taking a look at uh, one of the most recent statements of the president regarding uh, life in this country or abortion. we got a lot coming up, too. The, uh, the president will be making a nomination for, uh, for the Supreme Court, and uh, I'm sure life will factor into that as well. So stay with us. Our conversation will continue right after this. Relevant Radio runs on horsepower. Your horsepower. Donate any vehicle and keep your station running. Join in with thousands of other listeners who have given their unused vehicles at relevantradio.com slash car. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back, welcome back. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, what a great rejoin, Maggie. Nice job. What a welcome back, Cotter. Do you remember that? Yeah, I'm dating myself. That's something else. Good to be with you today. Thanks for joining me. We'll pray the chaplet coming up here in about 10 minutes. Let's pray for our country, and let's pray in particular for world peace. Let's pray for conversion, especially of world leaders, including our own, and of course for, for ourselves. I have to take the plank out of my eye before I take it out of anybody, before I take the speck out of anybody else's, you know. We all have to look in the mirror and really evaluate our own walk with with the Lord. Uh, we're talking right now, if you're just joining me, with uh, former Congressman Dan Lipinski. And uh, he actually uh, was speaking at the March for Life this year. And uh, he, of course, if you're not familiar with his background, was one of the last House Democrats to oppose abortion when he lost a primary challenge in 2020 to uh, Representative, I think it was Marie Newman, who uh, secured the, the backing of a bunch of progressive groups and prominent elected Democrats, and they went after him. They targeted his anti-abortion views, and that's what they ran on. They ran on this culture of death. Um, what a what a bizarre thing to do, you know? Not policy, not anything else, but, but that was that was that was the, the card that they thought was most important. Anyway, he represented Illinois' third congressional district for about sixteen years, and has he's spoken in the past at annual anti uh, these pro life marches and. Uh, he joins us today. And, and Congressman, I know you spoke again this past year. Before we go to the phones, and I do want to jump in and grab a few more calls, I'd love to know um, you know, how that went down and, and your view on where we are in, in terms of the March for Life, because I do believe this is a critical year. I think Roe is going to fall. I think the Supreme Court is going to overturn it. I think the battle will continue, but I'd love to get your sense, because this is your area, of where we are and what's coming. Well, uh, a couple of things. Uh, before I get to the march, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the University of Notre Dame, the Center for Citizenship and Constitutional Government, had a panel discussion that uh, I uh, I was part of to talk about politics after uh, Dobbs, the Dobbs decision comes down, and uh, you know whether Roe is gone or 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 you know potentially not. Um, but uh, Sharif Jurgis, who's a um, uh, law professor there at uh, at Notre Dame said he thinks there's a 90 percent chance that Roe v. Wade is overturned uh, in June when this decision, uh, when the Dobbs decision comes down. That, that's about the uh, the law in Mississippi that uh, uh, bans abortion after after 15 weeks of pregnancy. So uh, we hope and we pray that uh, that that is the case. But as I spoke at it at the March for Life, no matter what happens, uh, 
if Roe is gone, uh, contrary to what I think a lot of Americans, probably not the people listening to this show, but I think a lot of Americans think that if Roe is gone, then abortion is illegal in this country. And then that, oh, it, that does not change anything except it opens up the opportunity for states and for Congress to pass laws that, uh, you know, further regulate and restrict uh, abortion. And so even if Roe is, is overturned, then we're going to have a whole lot more work to do uh, on the state level, state by state, and, and on the federal level yeah. uh, to, to protect life. And, you know, this march, uh, is no matter what happens with, uh, with Roe, the March for Life is going to continue because we're going to still have a lot more work to be done. I, yeah. I, it, was a, it was a very cold day in Washington uh, last uh, Friday for the march, mm-hmm. and I, I said hopefully uh, if Roe is gone, we won't have to march in, uh, in, this, in January anymore uh, because we, we march on the anniversary of, uh, of yeah. Roe. It would be nice <laughs> to march when it's a little warmer out, but we will, like still be, we will still be marching. Amen to that. I love it. My guest is Congressman Dan Lipinski. Let's grab a call or two for you. Uh, Congressman Deacon Tom is listening in Aurora, Illinois. He's got a comment for you. Hi, Deacon. You're on the air. Hi, Drew. And, and uh, Congressman Dan, uh, God bless you for your courage. Uh, but, uh, yes, I, you know, the Lord has put on my heart a real concern for souls, both living and deceased. Oh. And, and and we certainly, like you said, we, we need to pray for people who seem to be walking in darkness. Yeah. People who have more or less sold their souls for support of what they're doing, and uh, it's sad. I, I think uh, they don't realize that uh, they could be jeopardizing their eternal salvation. And uh, we certainly need to pray for them. Uh, Jesus told Faustina, "The prayer that pleases Him most is prayer for the conversion of sinners." Amen. He to wants that. no one to be lost. You're right about that. Hey, Deacon, thank you. Such a great insight, oh, you're and, and it, it's it's so true. Um, you know, clearly, um, the most important thing is the soul of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, or anyone else. Whether they're misguided, uh, you know, I, I don't know what is ultimately driving them. But you know, God's grace is more powerful than 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 anything. The greatest sin and uh, the greatest blindness. It can certainly penetrate that blindness and bring about that conversion. And maybe today in a special way, if you're listening, wherever you are, you can say a prayer. Hail Mary and our Father. Maybe you can offer a small sacrifice. Maybe you can do both. Just ask God for his mercy on them uh, and on our country. And, and, and Congressman, I'll let you respond to Deacon Tom, too. I don't know if there's anything you want to follow up with. Well, I, I just think it's important to remember that uh, power is secular. Therefore, it's temporary. But uh, truth is sacred. So it, it's forever, and and that's something that never uh, left my my mind. Um, it was you know, an honor to be in the U.S. Congress uh, and to have the ability to you know, to pass laws to help people um, to do everything I could I could do uh, with the power of a member of Congress. But I. I knew that it was it, it was temporary, and I, I had to uh, to follow the truth, stand up for the truth, because that's sacred and it's it's forever. And uh, as yeah. forever is a long time, and that, that's something that we all need to be reminded of yeah. uh, yeah, every day. Every every single one of us 
need to be reminded that and yeah. uh, and live by that and with that understanding. Hey, you know, Congressman, just back to the Supreme Court very quickly, and then I'll jump back into the phones. Um, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe, it, it seems like Democrats are going to campaign on that in the fall going into the 2022 midterm elections. Uh, is, is that a winning ticket for them? How do you see this playing out? Because I'm sure, you know, Justice Breyer, as we know, is stepping down the uh, I'm sure we're not going to hear about their decision on road to the very last day of the court. Um, so how does this play out in the future, especially in in the realm of politics, midterm and maybe even generals? Well, I, I, I wrote a piece uh, for public discourse last year uh, about this radical uh, abortion bill that uh, the House Democrats passed, basically is abortion on demand through through nine months. And, and in that piece, I said, Six in ten Americans say they support Roe v. Wade, but they don't really understand what Roe v. Wade is. Because two-thirds of Americans also say that abortion should be banned, or all or most abortions should be banned after the first trimester, so after after 12 weeks. Uh, Those two things don't don't go together. And what's going to be important is for... People who are running for office, running for Congress, make clear uh, what they really, what the position really is on on abortion and, and protecting the the unborn. And unfortunately, because six in ten Americans think they uh, support Roe, they don't really support it because they, if they knew what it meant, they they certainly don't support it. Uh, but that has to be made clear in in. In the election, so that will that will determine, I think, whether or not that uh, issue, you know, how that issue plays out in the uh, in in the November election. Yeah, well, Congressman, thank you um, for all that you do, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again. I know we'll have an opportunity to do that, uh, I'm sure, in the not too distant future. But I only have about a moment left, so I want to give you final thoughts here, and we're going to pray the chaplet if you want to join us. We're about a minute away from our next break, and then we'll pray together. But uh, I want to give you final thoughts, Congressman. Well, if you uh, want to see what uh, any of these things I talked about, uh, you can go to danlipinski.com. Has, uh, this will be up there uh, soon. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at danlipinski2. Uh, it's okay. at danlipinski2 on, on Twitter. But I, ask for, uh, I just ask for everyone's continued prayers. You got it. We'll be praying for you coming right up and uh, grateful again for your time. Hey, enjoy uh, the rest of your day. I'll, I'll remember your attention along with mine in the chaplet, okay? Thank you and God bless. You got it. That's Congressman Dan Lipinski. If you want to get in, I think there's one line open for your chaplet intention. It's 888-914-9149 today and I can't wait to pray with you. We'll do that together when I return.